Hello. Hello, 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 hello. It's a nice muggy day today, isn't it? Oh, mug for days. <laughs> Not in the good way. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was talking about, you know, my mug. I said an oxymoron. Girl. I said... Nice and muggy. That's not possible. You can't even spell oxymoron. You know something. Can you spell oxymoron? O X Y. You're a moron. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can do English. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, I hate this type of weather. I mean, I really do because I feel like the pressure in the weather changes, and I can just feel it on my head, and I'm like, and then I inevitably end up cursing the neighbours for it for some reason. That drama is still going on, guys. Thank you for asking. It is the humidity that's sticky. At time of recording, it's very humid. Mm. And so, you know, we don't know what we're doing with our lives right now. But we do it for the love of art. Of course we do. That's what we've got to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. With, with Amir. And the fat Amir. Oh, my God, girl, get a grip. I wish my body weight would, Girl, me too. would bloody get a grip, honestly. Miss Rona's getting me bad. But I can't wait for the gyms and everything to open. <laughs> yeah, okay then. Anyway, <laughs> on a slightly more positively light note. God, my English is terrible today. On a slightly lighter note, we have a special guest today, don't we, Amir? We do, all the way from Manchester. From Manchester. Who is she? We have Donna Trump. Donna Trump. As in, done a Trump. Yes. <laughs> Important clarification to be made. Yeah, she's blocked from Donald Trump. Let's just say that. That happened recently, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, girl. She got blocked. Well done to you, Donna. Yeah, I was saying to her that she should um, put that on t-shirts and sell it as merch. <laughs> For sure. That'd be iconic. That'd be amazing. Like a picture of Donna, Donald Trump blocked you, you know, those two images together, it'd be so funny. I think that would be amazing. You'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy it as a crop top. Well, okay. t-shirt, I'll turn it into a crop top. Girl, yes. But yeah, we had a really, really great conversation with Donna. Really important conversation as well. The time that we recorded this episode was at the, uh, when, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, the current wave of it was at its peak in terms of, you know, what had been going on. So we had a really important conversation around... Uh, the importance of being an ally. And I would say that Donna is a a strong uh, ally as far as the Black Lives Matter movement is concerned and, you know, as far as um, people of colour are concerned as well. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. And the thing is, this movement isn't over. No. You know, Black Lives Matter is every single fucking day. It does not stop. So when you listen to this, I want you to think about what you can do to make a change and difference in your life, in your workplace, everywhere. What you can call out and what you can fucking do. Absolutely. So this is an important episode, guys. Do listen to it. Enjoy it. Let us know what you think. Write us fan mail. We will not respond. Nor Send us nudes. Uh, that we will respond to. Yes. But um, yeah, without further ado, here is... Donna. Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you both? We're okay. Oh, we're doing good. We've got yeah. you here, so we're good now. Yeah. Oh, you charmers. <laughs> we've, we've got you in our side now. Everything is wonderful and rosy. Or is it? Well, you know, let's just say the world the world's gone, like, really shown its ass properly. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has. Do you know what I love about, and, like... And not in the good way. Do you know what I love about, like, 
you know, the British humour. It's like it's very blunt. Like you're like the world's showing its ass. Like there's no way around it. Like Oh yeah, there's no flowers that will ever make this look pretty. Well, I just wanted to say thank you very, very much for joining us and being a part of the podcast. We've been wanting to have you on uh, the podcast for a long, long time now. So thank you very much for making the time and accepting our request. Uh, But, you know... Everyone's got time now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's the thing, everyone's got time. But no, we've been trying to fit this into my diary for a while. Yeah. And, you know, what's better than a pandemic to make sure that you've you've booked someone in? (laughs) Like, because my diary got cleared. For our listeners out there who may not have heard of Donna, Donna, tell us, who are you and why? (laughs) And why am I? Yes. My name is Donna Trump. I am a drag artist that is based in Manchester. And no, I am in no way in tribute to the horrible dictator, racist, cheeto man that is currently residing in the White House I'm merely just a fart joke, like done at Trump, which is very, very British. But I need to make sure that that is addressed straight away. How interesting. Oh, wow. I thought I thought your name was like just Donna and then Trump as in fart. But I didn't realise it was more comprehensive than that. So it's like done a Trump. I'm originally from Birmingham. So if you say it in a Brummie accent, it's like done a Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, how clever. Oh, she's educating us here. How do people react to your name? Do they think it's an homage to Trump? Um, It depends. A lot of Americans sometimes do um, assume that because Americans do some crazy things sometimes. But um, when they actually learn the context, most of them are in disbelief that it actually is a thing. Um, <laughs> that Trump means fart in this country. Yes, yeah, I know what you mean. I tell you what, when I, sorry to interrupt, but when I oh, I knew of Do- Donald Trump, obviously before the presidency, and, and I followed his career to a certain extent, but I never quite understood the branding. And I just remember his plane that just said Trump. And I was like, why would you call a plane a fart? And then boast <laughs> about being really rich. Like, it just didn't make sense well, to me. Well, that's the thing. Like, he, he literally is full of hot air it was baffling and laughable so it kind of like suited him in a way he is evil that man is evil completely agree with that and you know we will discuss that in a little greater detail but i do want to um, let our listeners get to know you a little bit more in terms of who you are and of course you are a very well-known manchester resident drag queen Girl, well known uk however, drag queen i'd say but well i was just going to say however you are international as well and Ooh. you've had you know you've performed and we've <laughs> had the pleasure of seeing you so i'm slightly fangirling but tell us tell us about your <laughs> tell us about your uh, it was true tell us about your journey into drag and where are you at now with it well, I am in my fourth year of drag, and it's it's a whirlwind. Um, I've had a very very blessed career. I've had a very very lucky career as well. It's been it's been hard work, but I've been given so many opportunities that I'm thankful for, and they've kind of led on to different opportunities that have helped me further my career. And for me to have done drag in four years and managed to travel around Europe the UK and also perform in America. I'm very blessed to have those opportunities given to me and those doors open where I can give my full force to go out and do that. Mm-hmm. And I've had the pleasure of just kind of making the art that I want to do as well. I've not had to try and please anyone. 
I've been able to just kind of go, okay, I'm going to do this. And I think with me, what kind of helps me be successful at what I do is that I try and make the art that I want to and convince Mm. the audience that it's something that they need. Mm. With my drag, it's not like I want people to go on an emotional journey. It's all about those roller coasters and that kind of one minute you'll be laughing, the next time you'll be crying, the one you'll be rooting. It's you can do that all in one routine or in one kind of like movement of like mix. And I think that's something that has really kind of helped me. And I've had so many great mentors, particularly within the Manchester drag scene. It's a very, very well populated drag scene within the UK. Uh, (laughs) And it's really helped me kind of shape my art in that way and make it my own. I would not have thought that you've been doing drag for only four years. Oh, no. You know, that, that is amazing because you've achieved so much, but you're so well polished and you're so, you're so brilliant at what you do. Me and Amir have had the pleasure of seeing you perform in Manchester as part of the Curiosity Cabaret, which was absolutely fantastic. My favourite part... My favourite part was when you did um, Adele's song, Hello. And <laughs> he I tell, always goes on about this. He tells everyone this. I tell, every single person. I tell this story all the time. And it was when um, the song goes, Hello, it's me. And then the music stopped and you went, Donna! <laughs> that was my favourite thing ever. And yeah, it's it's amazing what you've done and achieved. And I completely agree about the whole journey. I felt that with curiosity when we were seeing you. My favorite part, because I want to say my favorite part now, was when you <laughs> um, when you um, you incorporated My Chemical Romance into it. And I was like, wow. the emo kid in me was living. Because you know, a lot of these gay boys were just emo kids when they were younger. Of course. Oh yeah. And that space, the curiosity space was just magical this ties in with what we're all talking about in terms of Donna and Donna's performance. Mm. If somebody was to come and see you perform, Donna, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen right this minute given COVID, but what should they expect to see? I mean, you've touched upon a few, uh, a few points. What's your style? Um, oh, best way to describe my drag in is it's one of the biggest inspirations is like a children's toy box. You kind of never know what's going to happen with it. And There'll be a twist or a turn somewhere that you wouldn't expect, but you kind of get on board. I'm all for camp and I'm all for absolutely making a fool of myself because I think that's one thing that you can't, you can't always just be, oh, look at me. I'm so pretty in drag. Like looking gorgeous is, is a broad term. You can be beautiful in so many different ways. And I think it's all about that confidence of being able to, push those extremes and make people feel different things and with me expect the unexpected (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that and um you know what sometimes there is an unexpected we saw you at we went to drag brunch and you did like a a seven minute performance or something (laughs) and i was like this bitch is still going i'm out of breath watching it and i was like how are you still going I think, honestly, some people... Narcissa, my, my drag sister, who you've also had on the podcast. Yes. Every time she watches me do, like, a long mix, she just goes, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> honestly, you exhaust me just watching you. <laughs> I just remember turning to Amri and I was like, 
is she okay? Like, this is, <laughs> it's amazing, but I was like, is she going to be okay? Because I would be on the floor collapsing. Y'all made me do some share lipstick for like two minutes and I was dead. Uh, 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 we didn't make you do that lip sync. <laughs> you volunteered yourself to do that. I didn't. Narcissa dragged me up. <laughs> oh, yeah, but did you did you go, oh, no, 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 no. As soon as, as, soon as Cher's Believe started, <laughs> you were in there. You, were, you weren't just lip syncing. You were, you were, you were lip syncing with your eyes. <laughs> his, his inner queen just popped out but hey you mentioned an important point in terms of you know expecting the unexpected with you and you know that's really really great to have that because we all can't be absolutely stunning like juno birch can we <laughs> oh oh juno what an absolute absolute icon she is iconic <laughs> um, i love the manchester drag scene there's so much diversity i mean yeah shout out to narcissa such great fun. What a great what a great space that you guys have created in Manchester. I think with Manchester it's it started with Futu Lamar and that kind of drag scene within Canal Street. And every drag queen that has come along, whether they've stayed in Manchester or they've come through and then gone on to different pastures, they've kind of added to that tapestry and everyone's got their own legacy that's within Manchester drag. Mm. And there are even drag queens that are still around on the scene, but they no longer do drag, but yet their influence is still very present. And I mean, Manchester's just a very, it's, it's a very special city, I think. I think it's a very special city that has a natural community vibe about it. I agree mm. with that. I feel that every time we go there, I, I just want to touch upon um, your drags a bit more. Because, you know, I think your drag can be political. Would you agree? Oh, the, the drag is political. That's, that's, a, that's okay. a statement in itself. Drag is political. Nobody, can, nobody in this world can turn around to me and say that drag is not political. Drag is probably one of the most political art forms that is existing in the world. 100% agree, 100%. And, you know, being the international icon that is Lady Bush, oh, shut up. I can agree with that. <laughs> this bitch she, over here with 200 followers. She is an international icon. I mean, there's 72 questions for Vogue. I mean, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, she, she's going places. She's going places inside. even from her living room. <laughs> she, listen, she's going from living room to kitchen. She's going places, okay? She's going places but she's still saying I'm outside <laughs> okay <laughs> I hate you all <laughs> we hate you too okay listen <laughs> well it is the you don't love me podcast so. listen uh, we touched upon an important point uh, in terms of drag being political and this episode started political so let's talk about that Amir. shall we talk about that let's get into it you mentioned the America's dear leader, John, uh, what, Donald? Donald J. Trump. And I get the sense that you may not be his biggest fan. Why? Any person that is his fan, like nobody can be that man's fan. He is an absolute demon and a parasite on this earth and the race that we call humanity. He really, really is. Mm. Every single decision that he has ever made in his life, that man does not care about anybody. He does not care. And I think that really, really shows in all the action and all the decisions that he's ever made. Obviously, the time of this recording, he pretty much announced martial law in America. He has just said, basically said, yeah, 
martial law, I will send in forces to make you shut up. He has turned the United States of America into a dictatorship. And it's harrowing to watch. God, where do we even start with this? Because I, I'm sure you both feel the same. Like, we feel so heavy right now. And there is a heaviness. There's a heaviness. And it's that thing, you know, if you are, you, you can't be silent and you have to be on the right side of history, first of all. Yes. And, with, and I call it an uprising. I don't like the word right. I like, a, it's an uprising. Of course. Know? It's an uprising in a sense. But what this is, what we need to reflect upon is that this Black Lives Matter movement that is at the forefront of this uprising is that these, these people have had enough. Mm. And this is just the overspill of everything that has been boiling inside them that they have been, they're suppressing and they have been oppressed for so long. And as a, as a white-skinned person, it's just, it's baffling to me that, no, like there are still people being silent about this, and it, it it's really upsetting, as well because these people are literally crying out for help. They're crying out for help and support, and some people are denying them that by just being quiet. It's it's really it's really upsetting, and like that there are people that I know that still have not opened their mouth. Do you know what, same, and I don't think it matters how great or small your following is, you have to speak up people. And like you said, it, I'm getting emotional about it because it's a lot and it's like, so what if it's a lot? So what if I feel like this? You know what, it should be a lot for us all because we should all feel some sort of pain. We should all be feeling something. When you are online, when you are on your phone, when you are seeing these things, how can you not be crying? How can you not be upset? How can yeah. you sleep at night right now? How can you not feel something? How can you not want to shake people and make them wake the fuck up? Exactly. And as a white skinned person that, that was brought up with a, a black grandfather okay even i was i've i've been blind by my own white privilege mm. totally i am not innocent in this no one is innocent in this and i think that's the first step is to say i'm not innocent but we need to try and be better that's the thing you need to know that no one is innocent in this situation that's interesting because i 100 like percent agree we all have a certain amount of privilege that we may be unaware of but we certainly need to tap into our conscious or tap into our subconscious and recognize the fact that we are in a particular position that we can use to to make change now you mentioned that you are looking at people who are not responding to the black lives matter movement or they are not uh, actively condemning racial inequality as far as uh, black people are concerned. Why do you think that is? Why do you think so many people are switched off despite this being national and international headlines? For me, the only thing that I can imagine that it is, is that they're ashamed and that they can't admit that they're ashamed. Guilt. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a guilt because, like I said, we all have our part to play. And I have been that person that has once said, I don't see colour. I have been that person because I don't understand the actual importance of the balance of those words and what they actually mean. I have also been that person that will judge someone, prejudge someone by the way that they look. And I think that's the thing. We need to acknowledge that we've done these things 
And what annoys me is that the people that really have upset me about not speaking out are queer people. Some of them are drag performers, for one, which is absolutely disgusting. And they should be ashamed of themselves. There's no, it's not guilt there. They should be ashamed because as drag performers, we are, we are political because drag for me, and if you look into the art form of drag, it provides a voice for those that people don't want to hear. The reason why drag queens and drag kings and drag as an art form is so over the top and so out there and so against the, the norm of society is because it is making a statement. You walking out of that house with a different persona in such a heightened fashion is a statement to society. And the reason why the art form of lip syncing exists is because they take people's voices and take voices and clips that people know and people have heard and people listen to, and they create a message from it. And for drag performers to not acknowledge this, and there are drag performers that I know that have just carried on posting their content, posting selfies, polls of what dress they're going to wear, yet they can't type the words black lives matter that disgusts me and then even this morning the day obviously that we are recording is day that a lot of instagram users have decided to use blackout tuesday which is um i'm also one of those and what people don't seem to get through their thick head is that the whole point of blackout tuesday is to stop the content that they usually post and start posting for black lives matter for this for this reason why we are deciding to go do you know what you're not going to get my makeup tutorial today you're not going to get my overly face tuned face that looks beautiful on your timeline you're going to get an education i'm going to learn something about society that i don't know so i can be a better person yet there are people that have posted that black square and posted that this is a time to speak up and let people hear it yet I'm still waiting to see that post. I'm still waiting to see you write those words. And I'm still waiting to see you be an activist. I completely agree. I've literally messaged people back like, you've just put a black square up. And what? And what? You've said nothing. You've done nothing. You ain't doing shit. I purposely gone on and put links on their shit for them. I'm like, what are you doing now? Go and tell me now. Yeah, it's important for people not to just follow a social trend, but actually be an active, conscious part of a movement if they are to ever consider encouraging change. And that's not happening with a lot of people. And, you know, Donna, this is something that even I've seen within my small social circle of friends in, you know, my private space where people have just been posting and then going back to their normal days. Whereas in actual fact, what we're trying to do is use a disruptive technique to say, mm. stop what you're doing now, pay attention to this and people just people are just not getting it are they for me the silence is deafening it is deafening and and i've i've written that statement and i've spelt the word deafening d-e-a-t-h-e-n-i-n-g because that silence is trying to give context for those wrongful murders that have happened for many a year for many years and even I have seen that content in the past and I have gone, oh, that's so sad. 
And do you know what? Like I, I like I discussed myself that I've done that as a as a white skin person and a a person that has been a promoter and stuff. Talking from a performer's point of view, I know that I have I have not done as much as I can do for people of color within the performance. This is this is talking wider than than black performers now, and I try and give the space as fair as I can. And even now, I am learning. And it can be quite hurtful when someone is going, no, this isn't the way to go it because it hurts your ego. And all of us have an ego and we need to leave that at the door because nobody's ego matters right now because egos don't matter. The lives do. The fact that people are suffering under so much duress that people, people are walking out of their doors and walking down the street scared of being themselves and for me to see queer people not speak up about that when 51 years ago a black trans woman made a kick up and a fuss because people weren't gonna take the shit anymore black people saying black lives matter unfortunately isn't going to solve the problem because black people already know that black lives matter and black people already know that black lives are important to them. It's now the time for everybody else to realize that and stand up for it. One type of person isn't going to win this fight and not win this uprising. Everyone needs to come together and help because there are people crying for help, screaming for help. And if people can see that content and not say anything, they don't have a heart. They don't. Honestly, every single word I completely agree with. And I think within every community, there's something. I was thinking there, you know, in the South Asian community, there's so much work to do to help black people. Because there's so much racism within the South Asian community against black people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We as people need to check ourselves and check what privilege we mm -hmm. have and where other communities are being affected by our views, our rhetoric, our privilege, I think is really, really important. It's fantastic to, to hear yourself as, uh, you know, a white person saying these things, Donna, you know, that means really a lot. Important. But, you know, as Amir says, uh, and this is, uh, we had a conversation with another drag queen uh, a couple of days ago, uh, sort of off mic uh, about this, and we were discussing as to how there's such a huge problem within the queer South Asian space in accepting black people. It, it, that is a genuine issue. I've had people, you know, in the past when I've been single and I've, you know, liked somebody who's black, I've had South Asian queer people say to me, why he's black? And, you know, oh that gosh. kind of rhetoric is is beyond disgusting. And I've cut those people out of my life because that they do not represent me. I am not that type of person. And it's, you know, I'm sure you would agree that it's so important to be an ally and fight for the equality of, of, of black people, regardless of what your race, religion or creed or even political stance is. Oh, exactly. Regardless of any of that, if you don't do anything and say anything, you're letting them die. George Floyd was murdered. He wasn't killed, he was murdered. Breonna Taylor was murdered within her own home. So if somebody who's listening to this is thinking about what they can do in order to be part of the change, in your view, what is it that they can do? 
to support the Black Lives Matter movement and to be on the right side of history? My advice is just to leave your ego at the door and learn and listen. These people aren't asking for sympathy or even empathy. They're asking for support and camaraderie and for you to help them. That's what they're asking for. They're not asking for you to go, oh, it's a shame. They're literally asking for you to help fight for their rights. That's what it is. And I speak to specifically now white people. If you are a white person listening to this, you need to realize that, yes, we are born with privilege. We are literally, we literally come out of the womb with privilege because of the hue of our skin. And you need to accept that and that you need, now need to start making an effort so that everyone else has that, everyone else has the piece of that privilege that you automatically get. Nobody should get the whole cake. The cake's not going to run out. You just share it equally. That's what we need to do. There's lots of white people I know that are, they feel like they're going to say the wrong thing and, and, and offend someone. And the thing is, say it. If you're saying it wrong, you're going to be told and you learn from it. This isn't the time to feel like, oh, what if I say it wrong? Say it, learn from it and show that you care. I, I completely agree with that because like, even looking back into my past, I've said things before and you know, tried to help in a way, but I've said things wrong and someone said, say it like this. I'm like, okay, brilliant. You've educated me. I'm going to change the way I say it and I've learned something here. But you're, you're right in saying you have to check your ego at the door. That's the most important thing, I think. Your ego has to be checked at the door. You've got to leave it. The thing that I hope is that this, this movement isn't a trend. It's not something you can just wear and then take off and put back in the wardrobe and then bring it out once a year like a Christmas sweater. Like, this needs to be the start now of a movement where we are fighting for the injustices in this world to be eradicated. And I look at myself and I am guilty of not doing enough. I have not done enough to make sure that people have a better world in this place that we live in. If we sort of talk in that vein about inclusivity within spaces such as queer spaces and, you know, in general, in, in terms of creating an equal opportunities uh, playing field for everyone, how, how can we do that? Say if we take drag and drag performances, you know, is this something that you see within, within your workspace? Is this something that you would strive to change? Oh, totally. It's something that... Um... I definitely would strive to change and I need to carry on striving to change. Particularly, um, I started taking my shows online for a period and it was a big learning curve for me because I opened up applications and I wanted it to be fair and for people to be a part of the show that wanted to be a part of it. And I thought I was, I was covering all bases and, and then I was given feedback and critiqued about not having South, uh, any South Asian representation within my lineups. And in my head, I was like, oh, but I, I've tried and I've done enough. And on reflection, I didn't do enough. And I didn't because it didn't, it didn't succeed. 
if you're trying hard enough, there will be some success in there. You need to make every moment count and make sure that everyone has the right to sit at the table. And whether you need to make measurements for that accessibility to sit at the table, and you need to put an extra effort to make sure that they get that journey to sit at the table, then you need to put in the work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And there's many organizations and there's many sort of uh, people out there who are actively uh, doing that and building those bridges and filling the gaps and it is working. So, so that's excellent. Absolutely. Let's, let's keep that going. Talking more about yourself. I mean, you know, thank you very much for covering all those aspects. Where do you see yourself going? What, within my career? Yeah, your drag career. Yeah, so come yeah. on, Drag Race. That's all on the team. What season are you on? What season? What season were you on? Um, I, I like the thing is, if I was, if I was asked to do Drag Race, if I was offered the chance to do Drag Race, I would totally do it because it looks like a laugh. I love those ideas of challenging myself and doing something that not necessarily I'm like amazing at or like something I can learn from with drag race. Yes. It comes with a platform and like with me, I know my work wouldn't change because of the platform. It would just be more accessible and be able to do bigger and better things with that kind of work. And with myself, there's something that I've always found interesting, particularly with drag artists that have been given those drag race platforms. I feel like uh, I don't, but I've not been through that experience, so I don't know. But I think it would be really interesting to see why are they not exercising the power of making sure that these other drag artists that in the hierarchical sense that the queer scene have now put Drag Race right at the top, why um, they can't lift up those other artists as much. It would be interesting to see if, like, say, a Drag Race artist that is on tour is able to make sure that there are very, there is a various plethora of different types of drag as a support art um, act that they come from different backgrounds, they come from different experiences, because drag isn't a self-serving thing. It shouldn't just be a self-serving thing. Yes, it is something that you experience as as the artist, but it is something that you're helping other people experience as well. And for me, like, I'd love, I would love to have that platform with Drag Race, and it's really interesting as someone that has had the opportunities of being that support artist and being able to have that platform to grow and be noticed more and work alongside these drag race girls. One of them told me, they literally turned around to me and went, the difference between me and you is that I was on a TV show. That was it. And I, I still believe that true. And whenever I work with a Rue girl or a Dragula ghoul or someone that has had that limelight or that that platform, that exposure, I don't see them as someone better than me. I see them as my equal. And I think that's something that drag scenes particularly struggle with is that 
they try and rank people and put them on these different hierarch like hierarchical levels and mm. and for me i never want someone to think that they're better than me or worse than me i want them to see me as an equal and as as a peer because that's the way it should be for me i find it really weird when like I went on tour with Nina West recently and I had people fangirl me when wow. they when when they met me and like I was getting given gifts and I went, What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, That's weird. And they were like, Oh yeah, but we love your work and stuff and I was like I said that's really, really sweet and they were like oh, like we're so like honored to meet and I was like I said, Guys, I'm just a normal person. I'm a normal per and like I think that's the thing. We work in a society where people have to have this person to look up to in some way because they have something to strive to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I remember when we went to see you at Curiosity, one of our friends got really emotional and was pretty much crying in your arms because they felt seen and represented through you. Um, so, yeah, I 100% agree with what you're saying. It's about learning from each other. I mean, me and Narcissa ourselves, we found our sistership through helping each other get better. Um, and she, she, she's got all the looks because she's she's stunning. Oh yeah, um, she's she's the pretty one. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not that's not a wig. That hair grows out of her head like that, guys. Uh, like honestly, she <clears throat> is absolutely. She's one of the most externally beautiful people and also internally beautiful people and like i wouldn't be the person i am today without her and um she says the same about me because we teach each other and we learn from each other and we support each other because we don't think that we don't think one's better than the other we we see each other as an equal Mm. and that's why we have the success that we do so what I really got from that is basically you're saying Lady Bushra is the new RuPaul because they're on the same level. <laughs> wow. I, you know what? I'm ready for Lady Bushra's Drag Race. <laughs> Imagine. I am, I am ready. I'm ready. The, girl. The, that... runway, the runway music and it's just literally <laughs> her on a phone going, I'm outside. <laughs> that show would get cancelled so quickly. Lady I, Bushra, you know what? Do you know what we need to campaign for? We need to campaign for Lady Bushra to be in a Lee Dawson video. Oh my god! Oh my god, that would be hilarious. That, that is so. Can deep. you can you imagine? Can you imagine all the girls like like gathering around the TV screen to get their message from RuPaul, and it's like Lady Bushra on the phone. <laughs> that is genius. <laughs> like, That's genius. That is- that needs to happen. We'll have to ask her mum because she's only 19 and stuck in dolls. Okay, so you know Nina West, who probably knows Lee Dawson. In fact, no, Lee is from Manchester. Let's let's campaign. Oh, yeah. Donna. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Go on, Donna. Go on, Donna. Help me. Don't help, make help. it don't make this my campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, it's it's a pandemic. We're all doing nothing right now. So <laughs> we're doing a lot, girl. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Lee and I'm like, where's the where's the um recaps? Come on, Lee. Where's all the <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're here, we're waiting, we're ready. Yeah. No, he, yeah we he, never he, actually he, spoke about it. We never spoke about it. What did you think of the season 12 finale? Do you know what? Right. Oh. First of all, the season, amazing. 
Wow, welcome to Donna's Break. podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 <laughs> let's not talk about, you know, the, the pie in the room, but the season was phenomenal. What a strong set of girls. The finale was amazing. All of them were incredible. And I liked the whole Zoom thing. I liked how they did it because usually I'm not the biggest fan of finales. Yeah, arguably one of the best seasons that yeah. has come out in recent I agree. At times, absolutely. And yeah, I really liked it. It was really wholesome. I think the winner was well-deserving, but the top three were absolutely oh, phenomenal. Yeah. They were fantastic. I yes. mean, the artistic flair of Crystal is just Fucking off the hell. chart. She dressed as a piñata and you can <laughs> still call it drag. When she did an animal, I was like, girl, a queen that does an animal, you're already... You're the animal queen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really absolutely loves Crystal, and I'm I've I've been obsessed with Jada since the moment I ever saw her. I don't know what I, it was. I'm like this oh, this bitch. Oh my god, I'm flawed. I will say that there's only every single drag season of Drag Race, I have managed to predict the winner from the first episode, oh. and there's only ever been one season that I didn't get it right. Which season was that? Drag Race UK season one. Ah, okay, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, well done. But yeah, but we did call the tops, didn't we? At the, at the, you know, we did say Jada was definitely going to be in the top. When and she then in. we realised that they're all bottom. <laughs> 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 Look over there. <laughs> Anywho, um, what advice would you give to anyone that wants to start drag? The advice that I would give to someone starting drag is: don't be afraid to do something that's not been done before. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Being influenced by other drag artists, everyone does that because drag is pop culture and pop culture is drag. And mm. it's okay to be influenced. Trying to recreate something that someone's done, I think if you're not going to do it better, it's not going to work. That's the kind of saying. And I think it's not that if you're going to do it better, I think it's if you're going to do it different. And that's the way you've got to think about it. When I first did drag, I um, the first look I did was a 1940s housewife elephant. Uh, <laughs> it was the first time it, yeah, it's the first time I'd ever done drag, and I did a performance as a 1940s housewife that was had domestic abuse by her circus master husband. Oh um, my god! Oh yeah, and um, I performed to Shackles by Mary Mary. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> and I was like, I remember when people, when I told people that's what I was doing, they were like, that's not drag. That that won't work. And four years later, I'm still doing animals and people live for them. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of like, try something different. And the reason that drag queens get get successful is they they don't get successful because they look pretty they get successful because they have a unique quality and i think if you know what what's your uniqueness you're gonna sell and you're gonna go far mm. i think that's the biggest thing is that don't be afraid to take a risk and do something that's not been done before Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, I absolutely love that. I mean, Donna, this is, this is a, has been a lot of fun t talking to you and we've, we've absolutely enjoyed our time. But we're coming to a close. We have a couple more questions for you, however, Amir. For, you know, anyone that doesn't know who you are, when they should know who you are, um, where can they follow you? How can they find you? 
Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Donna Trump UK, which will have literally every single social update. Um, all of my gigs and appearances, if they, if we ever get public appearances again, <laughs> um, will be updated on my socials as well. And then, like, you can find a lot of my stuff on YouTube too, and, uh, at Donna Trump UK as well. Fantastic. Wow. And Brilliant. one final question that I always like to ask everyone. And, you know, it's quite a, a heavy question. A lot of our listeners are people of colour that are usually in op- oppressed places and they can't, you know, be themselves. Are there any, like, words of wisdom or pieces of advice that you could, you know, offer them or give them at all? I think the advice that I would give is that remember that you are loved. Sometimes even you, even yourself can find it's hard to love yourself and that's okay Mm. but there will always be someone that loves you there will always be someone that loves you no one will ever not love you there will be someone out there that loves you and i think that's something that i have learned a lot in times where i feel like i'm alone and i think that's something that i would i would give the advice to people that feel like they can't be themselves is that you will always be loved. Well, thank you so much, Donna. Honestly, it's been amazing. This was amazing. It was really cathartic. We had some high moments. We had some serious moments. We had some funny moments. Uh, I I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh yeah. I've enjoyed myself. I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. myself so much. I like, thank you so much for letting me come on and having this conversation. Like I think, people having these conversations and talking about like life experiences is what will make the world a better place. I totally agree. Totally agree. Absolutely. Let's keep the conversations going guys. Let's keep it going. Well, Donna, there's always somebody who will love you, but you you don't don't love me. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. This is my ASMR voice. Donna. Loved it. Yes! Oh my God. Do you know what? I loved talking to Don. And also, I love the kiki that we had off camera. Oh, the tea. We all spilled tea, didn't we, Donna? Tea, hun, tea. I don't know what you're talking Me about. Me neither. Actually. I just drink water. It did not make the <laughs> cut. So it didn't happen. No, it was really, really good. It was a really, really good episode. It was great talking. And I think I mentioned that it was somewhat cathartic talking to Donna about what's going on and, and drag and drag in Manchester and, and how it drag is actually political. So it was really, really fun. And uh, I really loved the fact that Donna is technically the OG elephant queen. Girl, isn't she just the elephant queen? Who are you going to be? Yeah, so that's a reference to when she dressed up as an elephant as part of a... Oh, how did she put it? An elephant that had an abusive ringmaster and, like, that was one of her first drag performances, which I think is genius. Yeah, it's so funny. But, um, yeah, I can't wait to see more, especially once lockdown. So, Girl, I need that brunch, Donna. I need brunch. Give yeah, me it, Donna. We need more rainbow-coloured bagels, girl. Literally. Sort and this time out. I'm getting fucked off my face. Sort us out. <laughs> okay, on that note, Amir, if people would like to follow us and send us money, how will they do it? 
and queer. You can follow us on Instagram at You Don't Love Me Boys, on Twitter at YDLM Boys. You can like us on Facebook. You can DM if you want to send us money, Henny. There's a link so you can click email us. You can like all our pictures. You can repost us. You can listen to our radio show. You can, you can do the damn thing. Like, we are here. We are queer. We're there. There's no way you can't find us. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really went to Chromatica then. Okay, then. And I didn't return. Love you guys lots. But you Take don't care. love me. Bye.